Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Tap Calf Transmissions, this Star Wars podcast you are currently listening to. I am Corey. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Eckhart's Ladder, Justin, who does not believe I'm Corey based on that face he made. What was that? Was that a smile? Uh, was that a grimace? I don't know. It was a smile, yeah. It was oh, my oh, overwhelming oh. happiness to be joined by one of my top five best friends, Corey. Can you just do me a favor and never make that face again, then? Yeah, I can try. All right. Well, tonight, how are you? How are you doing with uh, with Star Wars? Is that a thing that you're enjoying right now? Yeah, I definitely think I'm enjoying. How about you, Corey? I I too am enjoying Star Wars, even though uh, apparently I'm not really enjoying YouTube's time with Star Wars right now. <laughs> but no, we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about Andor episodes one through three, which just aired this week. Is it aired the right word? So I think it is. We'll go with it. Yeah, uh, we're made public. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it sound really bad. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. New and or episodes were made public today. Disney is yet to respond. <laughs> but we also, uh, on top of the first three episodes, we have been able to see episode four. So we might give a few quick thoughts on that. No major spoilers or anything. We'll Probably do that, do that at the very end. end. Yeah, yeah. So don't worry about it. If you if you don't want to be spoiled on that. Uh, we will we will not be talking about it, unlike every plot detail from Legends when we're doing a Legends review. Uh, so hold the reviews for that. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else newsworthy that uh, that we want to talk about before we get into episode one and three? Two and three. Mm, I don't think so. Um, oh, uh, Chrysia Station from uh, from Crystal Star was mentioned in a in a Star Wars comic, canon comic. Okay. So uh, our our Lord and Savior Waru is just. He's just sliming around on there, just ready to be brought back into the fold, which is nice, I assume. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's been a whole lot, really. Yeah, yeah. You were you were talking about how we need to start some some podcast drama between us and other Star Wars. Oh podcasts. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just, I just, I always read on Twitter these other Star Wars podcasts who are doing what I'm doing now, where they're like they they talk shit about other ones without actually saying their name not us because we're not in there's like a full circle of like these podcasts that we're just not in um and that's I always why see we're them never like, on any of them yeah and i just always see them taking shots at each other i'm like i think you guys care more than like the listeners do <laughs> well i i said i thought jokingly that the only person i was going to beef with was you because you mm -hmm. gave crystal star an s plus which i thought i was joking about but then your next tweet was about Chris I Station and Waru. So mm -hmm. is that even the right book? Yeah, that's the right book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sick. I would know that because I gave it an, an, S, an plus. S plus. S plus. Which is plus. weird because that's not a rating that we can give on the show. So that was, mm -hmm. yeah, that was a big move for you. Yep. Yep. I just, you know, when something comes that requires the rules to be changed, we change it. There you go. We're, <laughs> that's why we're the bad boys of Star Wars podcasting. That's right. That's why that's why they don't that's why no one wants to start beef with us because they just know that like we've got we've got Wari and the anti force on our side. <laughs> it's like Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right, no one listening is gonna know what that is unless we have listeners our age or older. We must. I assume we, but, yeah, we must, yeah. But Andor, I guess. Nothing else that's happened. No, I think there that's was, pretty much it. There was the uh, Galaxy's Edge VR game announced, but I don't really, I Who can't cares? play it. 
so I, yes. I don't really know anything about it. I think it. it's kind of just a remaster as well of yeah. an existing game, so... Yeah, it's like the... What was that game? The Vader... thingy? Yeah, I don't think it's Vader Immortal, the other one, right? Is it Vader's Fortress? I don't know, but yeah. No, Vader... It, I thought hmm? Vader's Fortress was the lore channel, and then Vader Immortal was Theory's fan film or something, but I, I might have... No, that Vader Immortal is the name of the, the game. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, but I don't think it's that one. I think it's a different one. Anyway, let's move on. This is boring. Let's talk about Andor. The big news: we got three episodes of Andor. I don't think they didn't get titles, did they? Or did they? Uh, I think they just got titles. They didn't oh, have them. Okay. Um, and maybe the person I saw was just making them up. Uh. But I did think it was weird that they didn't have titles and they weren't called like Chapter One, Two, and Three, like the Mando and Boba Fett stuff was. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking now because I, I don't think. Keno- I'm pretty sure Kenobi may have skipped the the chapter titles as well. Oh no, there was so the 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 episodes the names were, were Casa, Casa, the Reckoning, and that's what she said for the middle one. That would be me. Was the middle oh, one, and then Reckoning was said. the was the last one. My bad. Yeah, yeah. All right. So first of all, I want to say this has been a fun one because reaction across the board has not been totally positive, but I'd say it's been mostly positive, about as positive yeah. as you can expect, right? Um. And not only has it been positive, but there's a lot of people who are really, really into it, uh, which I I kind of figured would be the case after having watched the first four episodes, yeah. especially the first three. Yeah, like I so I rewatched it with Dana as I feel like this is the first of the Star Wars shows that she'd be interested in as a non really not really a Star Wars fan, like mm-hmm. her seeing uh, Cad Bane fight Cobb Vanth wasn't really going to do anything. Does for nothing. Her. Yeah, uh, but. She likes the kind of spy elements and everything. So I, I think yeah. I thought it'd be good to for her to watch the. So I, I watched it alone when we had the early access stuff. And then yesterday I watched through the first three again with her. And mm-hmm. uh, it did feel a bit slower the second time through because like I kind of knew what was happening. I didn't need the build up as much. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think she felt it was a bit slow as well. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's like that seems to be the biggest complaint with the first few episodes is that. They are slower, but I think they're properly paced. And I think the payoff in episode three is what really gets you. So there are yeah. probably some people out there who might have dropped it after the first episode. But I really think you got to stick with it through those first three to really appreciate yeah. it. I do, I do also want to note on that. There's been like a bit of uh, I'm just going to say elitism about people you know, not not you, because yeah. I think you put it well, but there are people who are like, oh, you think this is slow. Wait till you watch actual art and actual TV. It's like, yeah. listen, some people have different expectations for what they want out of a Star Wars show. And I, you know, I I can understand the complaints about being slow and they would have been magnified by 100 had they done a one episode a week release. Yeah. Um, I think having the three episodes, because they do kind of have a form a bit of a mini arc, having three was definitely the best thing they could have done. Yeah, that's been one of the things that's bothered me the most is the kind of weird, uh, this is Star Wars for adults. And like mm-hmm. definitely that elitism feeling. In my review, I called it like uh, kind of pretentious, like the yeah. way some of that gets discussed. And I didn't refer to it specifically as that being discussed that way, but I uh, there was some term that was being used a lot and I referred to it and said that was pretentious. Like just seeing so much of the uh uh none of this isn't for the baby Yoda crowd, like that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Where yeah, there's like, a different the baby things Yoda crowd. Yeah. <laughs> we are all baby Yoda. 
Like, it, it's all going to appeal to different people different ways. And I, there was a thing that I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast when it came out, but uh, there was the thing Mark Ruffalo said about hmm. uh, Marvel shows all being different or Marvel movies all being different and mm-hmm. Star Wars, you get the same thing every time. And honestly, I think there was... Uh, he had more of a point than not with uh, how the tone and a lot of it works where leaving aside anything about Marvel with star Wars, at least a lot of the shows have kind of fit into the same mold and like, especially book of Boba Fett with Mando uh, and mm-hmm. even Kenobi kind of fit into that same uh, overall feeling where mm-hmm. it was somewhat different, but like when you were within all the live action stuff before it was a lot more similar. And mm-hmm. I do like I said this about Acolyte before, especially when we got all the shows announced, is that I like the idea that Star Wars can be used as this universe to tell these different types of stories and different genres. And I hope this I don't want I don't want Andor to be taken as because I like Andor, I want everything to just be Andor now. Mm. No, that's a good point. Um Yeah, it's like it's I I just I don't find the need to, you know, I think it's fine to like a show on its merits and not like another show on, on its merits, but like to say that this is the way it should be, or like, this is the only thing that's been worthwhile or that like the people that like this are, you know, Mm -hmm. surface level. That's just like, that's just crappy. Yeah. And one other thing that I've seen a bit that it kind of relates to something you've talked about a lot recently, where I've seen it described as like, this is the closest we'll get to a George Lucas star Wars show as -hmm. if like being good, is how you get into the George Lucas realms. Like, I don't think George Lucas would ever really make a show like this. No, and that there's a lot of people talking and the talking is nice. And George Lucas doesn't (laughs) see himself as a guy who writes talking very well. So that's not going to be what he, what he focuses on. And it's kind of the same thing of like the debate over like, uh, does George Lucas determine canon? How did George Lucas feel about, uh, legends versus because he sold it? Does that mean now, uh, Lucasfilm has replaced George Lucas and that's what determines canon. Like it's just mm-hmm. such a such a weird way to frame every discussion that just there's there's no there's no point to it. I don't understand it. No, I, I agree. It's it's and it's a waste of time as well. Um yeah, it's like the does the discussion like I appreciate that people are talking about the people that like this sh- people like this show and are going to bat for it. I'd rather that over the yeah. kind of feeling for Kenobi when a lot of people just felt kind of apathetic about mm-hmm. it. So I'm I'm glad about that, but it's just like let's calm down. Like I saw other people saying like how like this is the only show that's been marketed properly. It's just like that's what are you talking true. about? Like Star Wars is like yeah. I, uh, anyway, just just let's let's talk about the show let's talk about the show and i i think we're both kind of we both really liked it is this yeah. your number one uh, star uh, wars show yeah i think i think this takes number one for me i was thinking uh like it, it was either this or mando after my first rewatch or after my first mm-hmm. watch through and i i thought i'd have to give it another try because i might just be too close to it right now and getting some recency bias in there mm-hmm. but even compared to Mando season one, this was the first time that I went back and rewatched one of the shows so quickly and still really enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it fits what I want a lot more closely. And so I think I do have it above even Mando. All right. That's great. And there, and there is a lot of, there is a lot of depth through it. And there's kind of, I think a lot of understated um, like world building and stuff like yeah. that. That's not 
there's less scenes, you know, straight up where it's like, oh, look at this thing we built. Like in the book of Boba Fett has that scene with the ring, you know, it sh- really shows off. This, you know, there's lots of little, like the set dressing is all phenomenal. And if you stop and rewatch the thing, you, there's really a lot to notice, um, which, which is, yeah. which is great. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, the, the acting is, is by far, my, my favorite thing about the show is how great all the secondary characters are. Yeah. Um, I really love Bix. That's kind of, I, there seems to be a bit of romantic tension between her and Cassian. Maybe not though. Uh, but, um, she's, she's Cassian's friend either way. You were telling uh, really, me like when you were watching it, you messaged me like you were the number one Tim Stan as well. <laughs> no, not the number one Tim, <laughs> Tim Stan. I do think people are being a little too harsh on Tim, which I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a, in a minute as well. But uh, I really like Cassian's uh, friend uh, Bix. I really like his other friend. I can't. I can't remember his name. The construction worker. Gasso um, something. Yeah, Gasso. Uh, and my favorite, and I think a standout for a lot of people, has been uh, the new. I don't even. I don't even know his name. The Luther? new. Uh, no. Um, Kyle Solar's character. Um, oh, uh, Karn. Karn. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle or Karn. Yeah. What's his name again? What's his? Why am I forgetting his name? The actor's name? No, his name is Kyle Solar in real life, but his his uh, what's his character's name again? It's Karn, isn't it? Cyril Cyril Karn. It's Cyril yeah. Karn. You you combine the two names. Yeah. I, I said Karn but, the first time, but it's not Karn. It's Cyril. It's Cyril. I thought you said Sarn. Okay. Anyway, yeah. No, that's the yeah. that's the Grand Moth. <laughs> but yeah. So I, he's he's my favorite, even though I can't remember his name. Doesn't matter. He's an interesting character. Um, yeah. And you know, it's nice that the character who's my favorite is not like, oh, this is Luke Skywalker. You know him from this yeah. other thing. <laughs> this is this random dude whose name I haven't even committed to memory yet. <laughs> yeah, like I think uh, I mentioned it in my review that like the the main problem people tend to have with Rogue One is the character development, and I think this is kind of. Mm-hmm gone the other direction with that where we totally. are getting a lot of those characters properly developed and a lot of the motivations and uh mm-hmm. even for the villains where like karn is a villain uh but yep. we're kind of getting insight into where he's coming from why he's doing what he's doing and uh why he's such a corpo simp yeah for sure and you know you can't go too far one way or the other like like for one he's pretty much so for those who haven't watched the show i don't know why you're watching this but um he's pretty much hunting cassian because at the beginning cassian who's in his messy bitch era um kills cassian ever leave that era though like we we know where he's going from here and it's arguably not um but like cyril's right to hunt him down um i one thing that i liked is after cassian kills those two men the like the chief investigator the Cyril's boss he's like he seems like he's not really engaged but he pretty much figures out immediately what happened yeah he's like yeah these two guys harassed somebody and they got what was coming to them and you know is that that street justice for sure but Cyril doesn't see that as actual justice and you know what he's he's probably right um so we're kind of in an interesting spot where by the end of the third episode, you really feel for him because he's he's watched his whole squad get fucking annihilated when he believes he's doing the right thing. But you also know that he's also helping prop up this fucking 
these corpo fascist like yeah these people who are really and you can see this in the scene when they're going through town they're the people don't like them for a good reason they murder somebody they arrest people out like there's no you know they're not a nice gang so yeah he's an interesting character because he's a bit of both he's he's also willfully ignorant of the stuff that his superior is pointing out like uh i forget what his name is but the like you said his his read on the situation was entirely right but karn is just so unwilling to acknowledge the fact that like maybe we're partially responsible for this and seeing the institutional mm-hmm. problems with uh preox morlana and mm-hmm. that none of that ever factors in like he's looking to get justice against cassian but he he doesn't seem in any way aware of the fact that like what they were doing in the first place was wrong and he kind of sweeps that under the rug himself so mm-hmm. he's ignoring parts of that himself it's not just that he's the only one that actually wants to do anything about this it's that he's one of the ones that is so blinded by his belief in this institution that he doesn't realize that if it were really justice, he would be going after them as well. He wouldn't mm-hmm. just be going after Cassian. Yeah, it's kind of like he's he's kind of got like the thin blue line mentality going mm-hmm. where it's like my it was my brothers who were killed when yeah. like, you know, a matter of fact, when you see how he interacts with other people, you know, he probably imagines there being this big camaraderie, but he's obviously not great. Like, he, there's that one scene in the hallway where those guys come up behind him, and like he's, he just doesn't act naturally. Like he's he's clearly an anxious person, or he's not great at interacting with people. There's also the scene where he's on the tack pod carrier or whatever, and uh, he's obviously kind of not comfortable in the role he's in. So, yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, like this is clearly the first place that he's been that has kind of invested some power in him or some acceptance of him. And he's just rolling with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But, um, so if Tim hadn't died, would you say that people were being too harsh on him? I'm not sure if you've seen different stuff from me, but... Uh, I just, like, okay, for one... I kind of see where Tim came from, but the problem is he was motivated by jealousy. Yeah. So Tim's got his cutie pie GF Bix, um, and he essentially reports Cassian um, to, I mean, there's a couple of factors here. For one, he reports her to this, you know, these corpo police officers that everyone fucking hates. So he probably realizes he's doing the wrong thing. And he does it not because he thinks Cassian is a violent criminal, which he probably doesn't care about. Maybe he does care about protecting Bix, but at least part of it is because he's also jealous. Um, So he's he's doing something that's like, I I don't think you can say it's fully wrong. But I mean, you know, narking to the fucking corpos is 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 not great. The fact that he's doing it for the wrong reasons makes it a lot worse. But he's not like he's a, he's a human. Like he's not an irredeemable piece of garbage or anything. Like I think he's pretty clearly a good guy at some level. Like he's he's not sure what to do. He obviously cares about Bix a lot. He, he he tries to he gets killed trying to save her essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like the the motivation there and the thing he's doing both seem to be entirely for the wrong reasons up until he kind of redeems himself by mm-hmm. trying to save Bix where yeah, like, he doesn't really know or care what he's going to be 
bringing on to everyone when he reports Cassian or what they're looking for. Like there, there's no, if there was some element of him that was thinking, Oh, Cassian could be dangerous and I'm saving people by getting rid of him. Then at least that's, uh, mm-hmm. that'd be probably kind of legitimate. Cause Cassian is kind of, he's not the safest person to be around or to work with. Mm-hmm. And people everywhere seem to have, a. Uh, a bit of a grudge a, against him. He's a mooch. He's like a total yeah. mooch. No one likes him. <laughs> yeah. But there there was there doesn't seem to have been any reason to believe that Tim was thinking, oh, I'm getting this danger to public safety off the streets. It's entirely just, oh, I think Bix might be cheating on me and I can get rid of the guy that I'm afraid of well, for doing that. I, I do think I think that's fair, but I do think he also realized that, like, because he sees the message that the Corpos put out, and I, I, th- I believe it even says double murder and everything. Mm-hmm. Um maybe he wasn't worried about Cassian hurting Bix like physically, but I think he might've been worried about her getting caught up in something. Okay. Fair enough. But we, we do know he kind of redeems himself later by joining the yep. resistance and flying that, that, uh, fighter and <laughs> rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, that, that is the same actor. Is it rise of Skywalker? It's gotta be. He plays a fighter pilot in, uh, one of the sequel trilogy movies. I didn't know that. There you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah, so again, interesting character. You can't say he's pure evil, I don't think, uh, but you can definitely say he did seriously the wrong thing. Yeah, and um, all the characters are acting on these complex motivations. No one's a, a pure saint or a pure villain. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot more interesting. Yeah, it than starts with Cassian killing someone execution style behind a brothel, so. <laughs> well, we gotta keep in tune with Rogue One, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I I I remember that obviously, you know, that other show starts. I was like, holy shit, they're really going there. Like right off the bat, just shooting someone not quite in cold blood, but you know, execution style, close range, just to, sh- to shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, blasters have stun settings. And one thing that I like too is he spends so much time trying to fucking make this backstory for himself. Like he goes up to his buddy. He, he gives the droid lies, all these things, and it's meaningless. Like it's he's yeah. he's got no clue what he's doing. Um, so he he probably didn't really need to shoot that guy because it was a game over anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like that. Which all just raises the question of why Luthen thinks he's so damn special. Yeah, I I think there's something. I I think that there's pretty clearly something else going there. Like I think there's gonna be some more backstory behind. Luthen and maybe Andor's father, um, who, like whether his biological father or his adopted father, I don't know. There's something interesting going on there, though. Yeah. So did uh, so we know Marva and the other guy who rescued Cassian were Guerrera's people. Do we know that? Wasn't that what they said on the ship? Didn't they mention Saw when they found him? I don't know. I didn't hear that. Chat, did they mention that? I thought I thought uh, the guy said something about that. like Saw giving them some information or whatever. And that hmm. like I thought that was how they knew to be there or to go there. I'm not sure. I think there's some interest. Let's just talk about this scene. That scene kind of in general, or let's just talk about the flashbacks in general because you know you can kind right. of um, split that up from the main story. Um, I'm just trying to read chat too to see if anyone's touched on that, but um. Okay, so we go back to Cassian's homeworld, Canari, uh, right? Um, first of all, what's up with these fucking kids? What do you think's going on there? 
I mean, they're just scouting around having a good time. Weren't you a kid before? Yeah, I was. But so Canary is an interesting planet. There's a few things we know about it. Um, for one, it's there doesn't seem to be very many people there. Um, and for two, there's records of some imperial mining disaster, which imperial mining disaster usually means it's anything but a mining disaster. Yeah, Alderaan However, was an imperial mining disaster. Asteroids that the Death Star were, were, was tested on. The thing that's interesting, though, is there is a giant mine there. Um, my guess is that Cassian and the other children on the planet were probably the children of the initial miners there, and then something happened to them, and they're kind of left to fend on their own. Well, do we know their families aren't there? I know we've only really seen the kids, but it seems like... I don't think it's a Lord of the Flies situation where it's just the kids. I think that the parents were probably yeah. just off screen. I kind of think it is a Lord of the Flies situation, but we don't know either way. Um, yeah, we don't know either way. I just it, The fact that the kids went and we never see any adults and the mine seems to be in disrepair um, kind of makes it, you think Lord of the Flies. If it was just like the descendants of the miners who were just left alone within the last few years, it seems like they've made a distinct enough culture that I don't know that kids would just develop that in two years. I don't think we know that they developed that language though. Like that could have been the language of the colonists, I think. Yeah, but like if if it's a if it's a mining company coming in, it wouldn't be mm -hmm. or like an imperial mine. It, I guess it wasn't the Empire yet. It was the Republican CIS. Uh, right. But it, you wouldn't expect it to be like a monoculture with just one other planet's worth of people brought in and then all the parents leave and the kids are left behind. Like, I feel like the... Yeah, that that's a good point. I just... I, I If anything, I think maybe that would have been done for simplicity's sake, but it, it's definitely possible there's still adults there. There's just a few... The, the few things that I noticed were all the kids had, like, repurposed... Like, Cassian's got, like... He's got his shoes held up by, like, repurposed things. He's got a... Re they've all got repurposed weapons... Um, but I guess they, they, there could there could be parents there. Um, yeah, because like, is this mining disaster a thing that's happened, and that's why those mines are abandoned, or is the mining disaster like just a cover up for the chemical weapons that were just dropped on the planet with this ship? Yeah, so the, that's an interesting question. So my theory, I, I've had a couple of theories. Um, for one, there there's an obvious discrepancy that I remember I asked you about before the episode even went live. Um, it's called a Republic ship. Uh, the officer is stated by Marva to be a Republic officer. Yet, when you look at the uniform, they clearly have the CIS roundel on their on their shoulder and on yeah. their little their little breather. So um, I think uh, I don't think it's called a Republic ship. They say a no, Republic okay. ship is coming. So I think right. that like it, the other stuff is still true, but I think the only ship I remember being talked about was one that was still on its way. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I, I've got a few ideas. I, I honestly didn't the first time I watched it, I didn't notice how how um, present the gas is, uh, and I was like, I, I saw them all yellow. I was like, are these aliens? But when you watch it back, clearly, for one, the only one that survives is a guy that had a face mask on. Yeah. Um, and the ship is leaking gas the same color as the uh, as their skin. So, I mean, obviously, yeah. it's some sort of... The, the thing that had me really interested is Marva 
comes in wearing a gas mask. Now, it's possible that in Star Wars, like when ships crash, um, it's just there's so many chemicals in them that it's just really common. But I'm kind of wondering, my theory is that this could be like the very early days of the Empire and they're setting up some sort of false flag to make the CIS look mm-hmm. Like to to just further vilify aliens or whatever else. So they they crash a ship. Um, it's you know it's whether it's a Republic ship or not. You know they've got the the CIS officers. Um, so like I, I I think the Empire could use that for whatever reason, whether to make the CIS look bad or just to kind of an excuse to shut the planet off and do whatever mining they want to do on the planet. Maybe there's kyber crystals on that planet or something. And they want to have an excuse to mine in peace without uh, everyone looking over their shoulder. Yeah, maybe. And what I'm also kind of wondering is whether Marva and her gang know a little bit more than they're letting on. Like when she called, uh, like I'm wondering whether she's a separatist maybe and whether she knew that it was a separatist officer and she just lied to Cassian because I believe, was there not lore that said Cassian's family was in the Separatists before? So I'm kind of wondering whether, like, she just didn't want this kid that she's basically stealing to think that the Separatists had just crashed a bioweapon or whatever, her chemical weapon on their planet. I don't know. I got the sense that she was talking more to the other dude at Mm -hmm. that point and was, like, aware that Cassian couldn't really understand her anyway. That is a good point, too. I don't think she was really trying to lie to him. Mm -hmm. And, like, her concern seemed to be, like, she, they definitely knew what was going on because she yeah. knew if we don't take this kid, he's going to die with the rest of this planet and there's nothing we yep. can do for them, but at least we can maybe steal yep. or we can maybe save Cassian. Because like, it, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like Marva is acting in any way maliciously. Like She does seem to be genuinely concerned about Cassian even after a lifetime of him being like a, kind, kind of, of an ungrateful little shit. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I just I think I think there's obviously something like people are saying, oh, it's a costuming mistake. It's obviously not a costuming yeah. mistake. Like they could fix that. They could have fixed that in in post if they wanted to. Like a million people watch these things. Everyone knows what the Republic logo looks like. It looks just like the Imperial one, basically. Um, I rewatched it with um, I rewatched it with um, what's it called? Subtitles? Descriptive audio. The, the opposite of subtitles. Descriptive audio. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and I was like, will they call it a CIS logo? And they don't, they say it's a, is it, what's it a hexagon? They say hexagon logo and they really focus on the gas a lot. Um, but yeah, a very, there's definitely kind of a conspiracy, which I think we're going to learn more about, yeah, but for sure. if this was, um, some sort of kind of plan, the empire had put in place to fuck over the planet or do whatever else, which is kind of what I'm thinking right now. Um, that would explain partially why Cassian hates the Empire so much, because even at this point, like in episode three, he talks about how he's already been doing little things to hurt the Empire. Um, yeah. But it could also just be that he lives under a kind of shitty regime. So, yeah. Well, we we also don't know how long it is before he and Marva get to mm-hmm. uh, Ferex to actually live there. So, Yeah. I do feel like the reason we're getting the flashbacks is to kind of set up this inciting incident for why he does hate the Empire and why he kind of is the way he is. So mm. We'll have to see as we go through the series. Yep. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about some of the some of the Easter egg stuff? 
How did you sure. feel about how those are handled so far? Thought it was good. Um, yeah, it it was good. Uh, like I saw lots of things that you know kind of helped root me in the universe. Lots of familiar droids. Like there's a gonk droid at one point. Um, there's lots of nice kind of details like i'm pretty sure the ship that cassian kind of hides out and hides out in in the jump yard junkyard is the same transport that takes him away from uh his home world which yeah. i thought was a was a nice detail uh there's lots of ships in the scrapyard like i think they've been used unobtrusively where they belong yeah um which is nice yeah there's been a ton of stuff that's uh and there's more coming in the next episodes yeah they're like pretty deep pulls that like you might not even know. So I was listening or I was watching all the episodes with subtitles on and there was a bunch of stuff that like I looked up any term that was used and there was a bunch of stuff that was like a reference that I wouldn't have recognized without looking it up. So stuff that's never been referenced since it was introduced Cass, in a source Cassian book. ship. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. was like the the ship names that were dropped of like the Orlean class, uh, like the two options the guy gave mm -hmm. for what he could have been flying. Uh, yeah. Those were poles. There's the, like the name of the, the star path comes from I Jedi or like it, it, that one is possible. It's just a coincidence, tenuous, but I yeah. feel like uh, considering how much else was a reference of that kind of name uh, that, that seems what like do you the think the star path that, actually is, is it like location of nearby ships? I think it's a nav computer with like some pre-programmed destinations mm -hmm. and stuff in it. Okay. Because that's what a star path was like when it was introduced in I Jedi. It was the nav computer for the air adventure. I really don't remember that part. Is it just mentioned once or twice? Yeah, it was just uh, it was just once when they've got like I think it was a technician on the ship talking mm -hmm. about the ISD. Everything that's busted. And then yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, we got the uh, we got right. the star path navigator in here. Uh, standard on like yeah. Uh, then there's like the Wobani run bending mm -hmm. Chobs knob, but without the mm -hmm. knob, which I'm kind of pissed off about. Yeah. So all these little references that have come through, I think the third episode had nothing that I that I picked up on at least. But the the junkyard, you had a little ghost in it. You had uh, every ship in the junkyard. You can yeah. pretty much notice, uh, which I thought was cool. Um which also makes sense. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no you can, the, these shows are expensive. If you can save money by using an existing ship or yeah. whatever, do it. Um, and then some nerds on the internet will be really happy about it, like me. Yeah, uh, I also really liked. I thought the special effects in this were really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, I kind of alluded to on our preview episode one scene that, and if if it were in Kenobi, would have looked awful, but didn't in this. And that was the one where he sabotages the uh, the drop ship. And it like yeah. crashes into the tower that I just couldn't help thinking of the fucking snow speeder scene from Kenobi and how kind of awful that looked and how good this looked. Mm -hmm. um, not to, again, not to shit on Kenobi unnecessarily, just to just kind of the, the difference I think is, is noteworthy. Um, but yeah, lots of really nice details. Like the way when they finally uh, find Luthen's ship, the way it like opens up and like kind of, just expands like it's ready for takeoff was really cool mm -hmm. i noticed lots of really cool details on the um the kind of drop pod transport when they're when it comes out of hyperspace like the the pods all start start venting it's just really cool stuff yeah. um really really well done um and better than the special effects because for a tv show I, like i'm willing to 
to kind of give the special effects a bit of um, leeway. The directing was really good, I thought, um, in the production. Yeah. Like, my big thing with Kenobi, like, I don't think I would have minded any of the special effects. Like, mm-hmm. some stuff did look a little bit silly, but more of that was just Leia walking under the under the trench coat. Yeah, for but, sure. And like my my biggest problem with the look in Kenobi was that you couldn't really see anything. Like I was yeah. when I was putting together some of the clips, like I was looking for some of the Kenobi footage that I still had saved. And the only way I was able to find it from the thumbnails in my big library of recorded shit was trying to find whichever thumbnail just looked like a black square. Yeah, and that was. Yeah, but this even the night scene, you can you can see everything. I love it. Yeah, and the um the action sequence as well was like significantly better. Like that's yeah. one thing that, like okay, this is really showing the difference. Um and I don't know I don't know why, but it like it's just overall like the way the and the it's not just Kenobi either. Like the dialogue that you mentioned earlier is much more competent not only in delivery but also just in how conversations are presented yeah. than things like The Mandalorian. Like The Mandalorian is probably my favorite star wars show um but that's i think every few episodes there's always like a moment where like they could have done that better when it comes to dialogue um whether it's a pelimata scene uh there was a waitress in season one that was weird even the the first guy in season one and this has had none of that so far which is you know a lot more similar to a movie i mean but it's only three episodes in the mandalorian stuff also tends to go more for like a prequel feel and explicitly Mm -hmm. more established star wars style for that where a lot of the dialogue ends up just being kind of exposition to get you to the next action sequence Mm -hmm. uh or just like necessary world building stuff Mm -hmm. so i think part of it just comes from that where you can't kind of have the conversation flow how a conversation would for its own sake when you need Mm -hmm. to hit these three points it is kind of weirder when you have characters that are just coming in and saying something to fill the scene but i have seen some people saying like oh this should uh, this is why we just shouldn't use the volume unless it's very specific purposes. But I, I don't think that's a fair, uh, that's a fair take either. Like, I don't think you can look at Mando season one or even a lot of Mando season two and say, oh, this, this just looks bad because it, it doesn't. I think people are over indexing on uh, some of the outcomes with Kenobi, which I think was like a newer crew working with it that had mm-hmm. less experience with it, as well as some things in Book of Boba Fett that were. I think more down to execution than just the fact that, oh, this was CGI or the volume. Yeah, like the volume is mostly the environment. Um, Obviously, that affects especially if you're not used to working with it, like that affects how you, you know, frame things. But like if you look at the book of Boba Fett, the environments in that show are phenomenal. I would argue at some points they're better than Kenobi. Kenobi's very good or sorry, better than better than Andor. Andor is very good, but it's just been a bit more limited so far. Um, Yeah. So and like I I agree I never felt like Boba Fett was ever let down by the uh, the volume to be honest like if you talk about the one scene people point to is the speeder chase that wasn't a volume issue uh, at least as far as I know I'm not an expert in it but um, that's also a pretty rare like chases are definitely a thing that happened in Star Wars but it's not you know the ordinary use case for the technology um so yeah I yeah, just they- I I agree I like I I think the volume offers a lot. And I don't like on TV. If you don't use the cutting edge technology, you're always going to limit yourself. I think a little bit. Yeah. Like 
Andor has so far had a lot of... It's been helped by the fact that it is on a planet that you can reasonably get by with practical sets a bit more easily. Mm-hmm. Like, I think ultimately, uh, if you stick too close to that, you end up with one of the complaints that there was about Mandalorian Season 2 with the Tython stuff, where it looked mm-hmm. like they just went onto a kind yep. of foresty mountain somewhere and filmed what was supposed to be this iconic location. Yep. And when you don't know what the location is, it's just supposed to be a backwater planet. Sure. But once you start getting into stuff that's a bit more built up or a bit more established, I think the volume provides one of the easier ways to be able to reasonably do that. Uh, so we'll see how other planets end up looking later on. Uh, yeah. If they, because we know they're going to a few, but. Yeah, we, we've at least seen Coruscant and Coruscant and a grass planet from the trailer and the water planet with the big yeah. thing in the, so. Like those are also, I mean, Coruscant usually they'll probably not even use the volume or practical, so it's probably just use a regular yeah. green screen. But yeah, so yeah. like I think it's it's a situation where they're definitely going to have to get used to the technology. The technology definitely has to grow, but that's always been what Lucasfilm does. Where sure, there's stuff you can go back. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the prequel trilogy, especially before any kind of upgrades that look kind of messy, but George Lucas doing that stuff is how we kind of got to the place where we can have special effects now to look back and say, hey, that looks kind of weird. So yeah. You could, someone's got to take that risk. And especially with the TV show, I'm never really mad if the risk doesn't always work out perfectly. Uh, even just the progression we saw between Mando season one and season two was phenomenal. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's not just like a little bit distracting. If you watch Revenge of the Sith, the clones look like shit. They look even worse in episode in episode two because, you know, they're fully digital. But and then there's also Jar Jar. But, you know, without that, then we don't have, you know, all the characters, all the fully digital characters we have now. So Marvel doesn't exist. Yeah. All right. Anything else? we I guess. uh, Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about plot wise? Any major plot lines we want to hit on? Hmm. Trying to think, I I really like the ending montage that ended episode three. That was people have been talking about that a lot. Kind of unlike anything that's been in Star Wars before. Yeah, Uh, very well crafted. Nice to have music that that felt not like Star Wars, but still, you know, worked perfectly, which was nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes I feel like for some of the TV shows, it's like the music falls into almost like Kenobi. I, I thought felt a bit too generic. Mando had its theme, which stood out on its own. But like a lot of times when things really need a hit, they go back to the original music. So I'm glad yeah. that, you know, we got the same guy that did the soundtrack for um uh what's that show? Um the show about, in Philadelphia. No, I mean I don't know if he did that too, but um oh Six Secession, hmm. which has the the very famous theme song. So I'm not surprised he's knocking it at the park so far. Like we didn't talk too much about Luthan. And the plot line of like Cassian getting picked up there. I don't know that there's too much to say quite yet. Yeah. Uh, especially because we can't necessarily speculate on stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Overall, great, great episodes. Great yeah. three episodes. Um, I'm glad they released all three at once and yeah. very excited for what? So that's what that's what it's 12 episode season, right? It is a 12 episode season coming out every Wednesday. At yeah. 3 a.m. Eastern. 
Cool. What are your What are your thoughts on the on the release time stuff? I I think it's so dumb. I, I mean, if if they need to, if they have to release it like that because they can't handle the server load, okay. Like if that's just the reality, all right. But if it's, if that's not the reason, I think it makes no sense. Like I think back to shows like The Walking Dead, which were you know big blockbuster TV shows. And one of the big things about them is that everyone would watch them together and there'd be so much like everyone would be talking about it the next day. And obviously things are a little different now where these are streaming things, but like, this is the same thing that game of Thrones does. They release their, I, I haven't been watching the show, but from my understanding, they released the show on their cable and then on streaming at the same time. And it's like a big thing. Yeah. And you can tell on Twitter, anytime a new game of Thrones episode comes out, same with like better call Saul, whatever else. Um, because Twitter blows up about it. But with Andor, you have like a releasing most like it's not convenient for people in the UK. It's not convenient for people in Canada. I guess it's convenient for some people in Eastern, like Eastern Europe or Asia or Australia. But for the majority of the fan base, it's just it's not a good time, especially because it's right in the middle of the week. Um, so you're killing all potential hype, in my opinion. Yeah, like I, I do think the, the server load thing is probably the reason and it's not that like Disney can't afford more servers. I just think having mm -hmm. the upspin and downspin so much on such a limited basis is probably not something they've so far deemed worth it. I do kind of hope that changes, mm -hmm. but it's always going to be hard to find a time that works for everyone anyways. So that is true. And and people are like people have accused me of coming at this from an American perspective. I'm not American. I'm Canadian, but close enough. But like I don't really think that that's the case. I just for one, I like, I I just it doesn't make sense. I like whether you're American or in Europe. I just I don't think the release time makes sense. Yeah. Um, like Charlie works with us from the UK, and while his sleep schedule mostly doesn't exist, like mm -hmm. I don't think he's thrilled about having an eight a.m. release either. I don't know that that works no. out super well for people in Europe. Yeah, I think like thinking of an ideal time, I I think like. Maybe 8 a.m. Eastern time would be or 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Sorry, Eastern time would be OK, because then in it's late in Europe, but it's not like, you know, super late. Um, and on, you know, even on PST, it's after even if you move it to like seven Eastern time or nine Eastern time, even midnight Eastern time would be better, I think, um, because right now I don't think it's working for anyone. Somebody also gave me what I think was a stupid comment, like not everyone is as terminally as online as you. It's like, or as us, I'm like, okay, but people are used to like miss it, like watch it or you miss it style with TV yeah. shows. I think people like watching TV shows when they come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, well, maybe someday it'll change. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the YouTube stuff? Uh, yeah, so I'll be back in a second if you want to lay that out and I'll be like, okay. seconds. Yeah, so and for one, this is also going to sound like complaining, but that, this isn't my purpose. Um, so one thing that a lot of us have noticed, whether on YouTube, on TikTok, on whatever other MySpace social media platforms that exist, is that Andor is really underperforming. Um, I actually I put in a video today that's doing okay. Excuse me, but just across the board, everyone's Andor uploads are doing really poorly. And for me, it's kind of concerning that 
like a concerning perhaps reflection on the level of fan interest. Um, like I look at heavy spoilers, for example, he's one of my buddies. He runs a, a channel all about kind of covering recent releases and stuff. His game of Thrones videos to 300,000 views or more. Uh, you know, when he does squid game like that, gets like millions of views, 20 million views for one video is and or premiere video. First three episodes did did 30,000 views. Uh, and his his episode for She-Hulk, episode six, the recent one, which was like a wedding episode, um, was at like 70K in a few hours. So there's something going on. Um, a few people have also pointed out, and I'm seeing it in chat uh, a couple times as well, that YouTube is having issues with with, with comments right now. So I, I've, I've noticed that lots of videos aren't getting their, their comments but there does seem to be something going on interest-wise in Andor, and it's a little it's a little concerning. Like if you look at the top performing videos for Andor for the week, it's really, really concerning. Like it, it's like the like X clips, like my clips channel I do is is got most of them, and most of them are like under a hundred thousand views. That's really not good for a new um like usually when a new show comes out, you get these big channels like heavy spoilers or like um new rock stars. Or you know the YouTubers like Star Wars Theory, they'll they'll put out a video on the premiere and it'll get a million plus views. And videos now are getting like thirty or forty thousand. So I'm I'm a little concerned, but I'm curious about Corey's thoughts. Yeah, my clips because the channel is still kind of growing. The Andor stuff has gotten more views than the other clips that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Kieran Datapad, the review I, I've never had like a huge review audience, but mm-hmm. it wasn't even beating some of the other lowest performing stuff so i i i don't know if you've addressed this already but we'd as youtubers we'd get a con or get accused of thinking like oh well no one we're only thinking of it from turn in terms of like how it impacts us but that's not really the point like it's no, not I don't really oh, you need to you need to watch uh we're not saying you need to watch youtube star wars youtuber you don't care about and or whatever it's no. that you can kind of gauge a little bit of interest based on how stuff is performing relatively like if Mm -hmm. you look at how our channels were doing around the release of the rise of skywalker and mando season one those were huge boosts not just to the content about the movie and the show but to everything and the movie and the show outperformed it but here there's been kind of neither of that and maybe part of it is like an overall fatigue maybe part of it is less interest in this in particular but it's hard to hard to really say yeah, it's like when Mando season two comes out, I could I get shit shit in a rag and it would get two hundred thousand views. It's just because people are so hyped up and they wanna consume as as much, you know, kind of material around the thing they're enjoying. Now part of it is definitely the fact that Andor is a different type of show, but that's not the full explanation because you know, if the Sopranos came out and was, you know, there was a YouTube people would do lore videos on the Sopranos and they would do extremely, ext- extremely well. It's not necessarily only about kind of the quality of the show. I do think there's probably an issue with marketing. Like I, I put today a, a post about like, uh, like just kind of saying what I've been talking about now. And so many people are saying, I didn't even realize the show was out or it's not something I feel like I've got to rush to. Um, it's just it's a bit of a shame because it is such a quality show. Um, I wonder whether it was kind of the marketing that's failed. Um, I have I have a limited amount of friends who care about Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, in the first place, so I don't have like the the best focus group to run this by. 
But like my uh, a couple of them do watch most of the shows. And after Kenobi and even like Mando season two, one of them was like just he wasn't planning on watching Andor, partially because he didn't care about Andor as a character. Uh, but he's said he's going to watch it just because I was so positive on it. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe there will be more people going back to it after the kind of reception. It'll be maybe a bit of a slower burn. Uh, but it, I do yeah. think the I do think there has been more done to advertise the show than the other ones, even if I don't agree with the uh, mm-hmm. with the idea that like this is the first thing that's been marketed correctly. Uh, like I don't think there was much marketing around Kenobi. Uh, I'd agree with that take, but I don't think like Mando was ever really suffering for it. Mm. Uh, but I do think people feel a little bit burned after Kenobi, even on the uh, whatever angle their criticisms were coming from. Yeah, like there was the unreasonable amount of criticism for really stupid reasons, but there was also legitimate criticism of reasons people wouldn't enjoy the show. Yeah, I, I think that's I mean, that's fair. Uh, I was like, to be honest, I was not excited for Andor really. And like, I live and breathe this stuff until I saw the trailer. So I can definitely see how this could be kind of under the radar for a lot of people. Hopefully word of mouth, word of mouth helps, helps carry it. Plus the fact that so many people have Disney plus and, you know, we'll log on and we'll eventually, you know, we'll see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And Just, that is a good point from chat. Uh, from Jedi of Chicago saying that right now there is House of the Dragon, Rings of Power. There's a lot to compete with at the moment. So there's a lot of things pulling at people's interest. Yeah, I was going to mention that as well. I, that's a great point. I think they were probably smart to delay because um, I know that like I know um, I think Game of Thrones is getting like absolutely monster numbers especially. So they were probably smart to to delay it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I kind of wonder whether if they had been not more confident, but if this had been kind of a show with a bit more like like general appeal, whether they, it would have been a December release like Mando usually is. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Or if this had been the kind of production quality that Kenobi had had. Yeah, seriously. But well, we'll see if that if that changes over the course of the season. It is a it is a longer season, so maybe there will be more pickup as things go on. Yep. Uh but do you want to do maybe questions first and then do some quick thoughts on episode four? Sure. All right. Then people can listen to this and they can not have to worry yeah. about skipping around. Yep. All right. So our first question uh, came from Joel last week, who says one of the reasons for the Empire's quick fall in canon doesn't bother me as much is because I feel in canon the Empire is more of a brittle and weaker regime than in Legends. The Empire in canon feels like a paper tiger and lacks the deep-rooted humanocentric support in the core worlds that legends seem to give it as only being held together through coercion and brute force. What do you guys think? Is the Empire in canon portrayed as a paper tiger, a regime that, while on the surface seems strong, is quite weak? I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts and love the podcast as always. I honestly think we should maybe save this one again another week until after we read Lost Stars, but... um, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know if I'd fully agree with that. Um, I think there was like, because like one thing in in Legends that happened was you know all the Imperial groups split up and you get all these different warlords fighting with each other. That hasn't happened to the same extent in canon, so uh, hard to say really. It's just I, I think there's more kind of just 
the I think the New Republic just beats them more in that one year before Jakku, and some of that's also kind of planned. You know, yeah. Palpatine planned some of that. Um, so I think that's kind of the main difference, more than a lack of core support or anything like that. Yeah, like there's still a lot of those same elements that made the Empire at its height as strong, but Palpatine does kind of hollow everything out on his way out so that the New Republic isn't going to be in the same place infrastructurally or institutionally to fight against the First Order or the Final Order later. So yeah. I think that's more the difference rather than uh, the Empire itself being weaker. Yeah, I mean, in both cases, they're not designed to survive without a big head of state. So, yeah. uh, Our next question comes from Matrix, who says, this is kind of a dumb question, but I was reading one of your tweets joking about how Andor has a swear word. That got hmm. me thinking, why does Star Wars seem to censor and use subtitles for words most of the time? I get they want to stay with a PG-13 rating, but the Marvel films have that same rating consistently throughout the movies and seem to be less shy about the amount of words they let by. Well, in Star Wars, the most we hear is a hell and a damn and an almost shit from Lando and Solo before it's cut off. Um, I just think swearing takes away from like what Star Wars has gone for in the past. Not with Andor, I just think Star Wars usually is supposed to be a space opera. It's not like I just don't think, I don't think swearing is necessarily a big part of of that. Yeah, I don't think it adds to that feeling. I think with like Marvel, they're supposed to be action movies, not gritty certainly, but sometimes they're supposed to be a little bit edgy or a little bit like oh, this is badass. So I think the swearing serves the purpose a little bit more than it does for Star Wars. Yeah, I think the the core audience, even though the rating is ultimately PG thirteen. I do think Star Wars at its core is aimed at younger groups, though, too, mm -hmm. uh, where Marvel, you're probably looking at people who are a couple years older as your core group. Uh, and I think that influences those choices a fair bit. Yeah, like my son loves Star Wars. Yeah. And I, I think like and the difference is if my son were going to get into Marvel and he's not really he wouldn't watch the Marvel movies. He'd watch like he'd watch like Kid Spider-Man or something. I th I, I kind of I, I think where like my when my son when he wants to watch Star Wars, he usually wants to watch like one of the movies with Darth Vader in it. So I think that's kind of partially the difference. Yeah, like my my nephew I think is a a year older than your son and mm -hmm. he's a big superhero kid. That's kind of his go-to thing. He's not really a Star Wars fan. Uh and I don't think he's ever seen a Marvel movie. I wouldn't I probably wouldn't let him watch a Marvel movie if I was watching him. Uh, yeah. And I don't think my sister and my brother-in-law do either. And I don't think he'd really understand it or like it that much if he did. So I think there is kind of that few-year divide. that. Mm, totally. Uh, which isn't to say... And whenever people say, like, oh, Star Wars is for younger kids, that doesn't mean that adults can't enjoy it and there's not stuff in there that are primarily geared towards adults that kind of gets past the radar. But... Ultimately, Star Wars is a franchise and set of movies for kids is a franchise and set of movies for kids. So mm -hmm. that's not a knock on it. That doesn't mean it's bad, but that's kind of just what they're going for. Mm -hmm. uh, we did get a question from Tristan that I think is more NJO related. So we'll hold that. We'll hold that for Star by Star. Several weeks. Yeah. Uh, hostile Nebula asks. Uh, seeing the way that Timothy Zahn wrote Thrawn's strategies in his various works and how intricate some of them are, do you think that he's somewhat tactically smart in that respect? 
So I don't think Thrawn? so. I don't think like a lot of the stuff Thrawn does, if you really examine it, doesn't make sense. Because I think in his later books, it makes a bit more sense. But like if you started picking away at it, you'd, there'd be holes. It's just when you're writing a book, you get to present this kind of just so story where things go the way things go. And like, yeah, no, I just think he's clever. Like he's like Timothy Zahn is obviously clever and he invents the, like he probably, you know, he invents the the situation and the response at the same time. So yeah. like it, it's the same way that uh, people Monday morning quarterbacking in sports are able to say, like, yeah, oh, well, I would have done this and it would have worked out like, OK, if you just leave that unexamined, then fine. But yeah. If it were a real situation happening, a lot of what Thrawn does, especially in the Thrawn trilogies, he pulls the answers out of nowhere. There's no way he really could have figured out the stuff that he was saying, which is why, like, there's some of the fan theories of, like, him getting his information from a secret source and then just fucking with Pelion for the rest of the time. But yeah, it, yep, it's, totally. it's more just author tricks than anything mm-hmm. indicating that uh, Zahn should be a four star general, in my opinion. Agreed. All right. Thank you, Nebula. Next up, we have Attila the Hun. Uh, famous dictator. Thank you for asking. How traumatized did you feel after Fest was mentioned as Cassian's Ugh. fake home planet? I'm guessing Justin in particular was mumbling incomprehensibly about ATPTs for hours. Yeah, well, I, I had known that that was his... Because that was kind of something they had to deal with. Because Fest was in his... Um, in uh, in a past lore that was his home planet. I thought I thought they dealt with that perfectly. Um but yeah, fuck fast. All you think about is Cassian growing up just to see these these snow speeders just respawning and trying to fucking beat the same mission again over and over and over. Um just miserable shit. So that's his origin story. That's why he hates the Empire. They kept yeah. making him play that mission. Exactly. Kind of respect it. Fast for those who don't know is a it's a planet. It's like it had an Imperial research base on it. They steal ATPTs from it in the Rogue Squadron game. It's one of the most miserable levels in that game, which has some very difficult levels. Yeah, and Justin, of course, has an irrational hatred for the ATPT. We'll we'll talk Maybe about that off stream. We'll talk about that off stream. Thank you. And can't, thing can't even look left and right, but that's all right. Well, yeah. Have you ever heard of analysis paralysis, Justin? I have not. No. Is that you, too much information? If you have, yeah, if you have too many options you could go for, you end up freezing. You don't make a decision. The ATPT has very cleverly set it up so that the pilots can't make a choice. I'm not they even go sure forward. how. The, I'm not even sure how the ATPT turns. If I'm being honest, it kind of does a shuffle. Have you ever had so? Like, so like one leg doesn't go forward as much as the other one, basically. But doesn't that because it, its hips like it, it it only like its joints don't it doesn't it doesn't have ball joints it only has the the what's it called I forget what those kind of joints are called the up and down ones so I don't I'm not a hundred percent sure how it yeah, actually can turns turn. like it, it's the same thing as if you had a stiff neck you needed to turn but I think it has I the see. same range of motion but I, I don't know look it walks forward it shoots the stuff in front of it easy. It certainly tries to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question from Christopher, who says, Dark greetings. First off, I want to say that I love the premiere of Andor. Really hyped to see the rest. My question for this week is, if Andor has near equal success to The Mandalorian, 
Do you believe we'll see a hypothetical season three where the show transitions to an anthology of rebels carrying on Cassian's legacy after the new hope or will Disney greenlight more adult star Wars shows in general? The second one, if, yeah. if one, if one of those two. Yeah. I don't think we'll get like a season three sans Cassian. I don't think they'll like, maybe they'll make more rebel era content in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think there will probably be more shows of varied tone. Some of them matching and or more closely. And uh, maybe Some of them going the other way, like Skeleton yeah. Crew could go the other way. Yeah, I, I think we are going to get a broader set of Star Wars shows. And I think that's what I'd be more excited for than hearing that they're going to just make a bunch more of Andor clones. Yeah. And I think with the stuff that's worked out, they're probably getting more of the message of like doing these kinds of different things is what's working out the best. And I think that's what's worked out the best for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there was OK, so there was a really stupid leak about how uh, Tony yeah. Gilroy we talked about this briefly I think last week maybe uh we talked about it privately I don't think we oh, I don't okay. think it had come out when we did the podcast last week mm-hmm. but that uh Tony Gilroy had been given a first look deal for uh Star Wars projects with Lucasfilm I was like who the fuck else is he gonna pitch it yeah he's gonna take it to he's gonna take it to me and I can ha- have an animator do it put it yeah. on X clips <laughs> so yeah that that turned out shockingly to be a fake story i would not be surprised at all if uh they tried to get him on board for another project maybe another movie that they will never make but no it's been refreshing for sure like i i was definitely thinking about how the the rogue squadron movie would have really worked in the style i think maybe through maybe lighten it a little bit but uh but yeah yeah Maybe we'll see what it ends up looking like without that style someday in yep. like 20 years when we get another Star Wars movie. I'm going to put that under the we'll see category. <laughs> All right. Final email for the night comes from Joel once again saying, do you think it's fair to compare the Star Wars Disney Plus shows with each other since they're all trying to do very different things with different tones and feels? For example, Mandalorian is more of a lighthearted adventure show compared to Andor's darker and dark and gritty political thriller. Curious to get your take on this. I mean, I don't, I don't really know if I understand the question. Like, I think you can compare something whether they're different or not. Like, you can prefer one tone or the other. Like, I think it's a mistake to say one's objectively better. Yeah, but I, I mean, think that's ultimately pre- what he's getting at. Yeah, like the prequels in the original trilogy are very, very different in tone. But like, that doesn't stop people from comparing them for better or for worse. Yeah, I think like if you try to say Andor is darker and grittier, therefore it's better. Yes. I think that's where the comparison gets unfair. Yeah. Uh, but when you're trying to make the comparison for the purposes of saying how they're different or what you may prefer, uh, that's perfectly fair. Like the yep. uh, if you point out that Andor is a bit darker uh, mm-hmm. and the Mandalorian is a bit lighter, or Kenobi was the a, darker and that you couldn't see anything those mm-hmm. are all just the different elements of the show because really if i can only really look at it or explain it from how i try to approach reviews when i do them where i'm trying to give my opinion but i'm i'm not trying to put like things in an objective hierarchical ranking because i think that's a uh even though that's kind of what we do with our tier lists that's not really a productive or useful thing for anyone yeah. It's more trying to say, this is why I like or don't like it. These are the things that you may like or dislike about it, using the frame of reference from other shows, and hopefully give people an idea from that, if it'd be a thing that they'd be interested in giving a try. Uh, 
so I think like comparisons that aren't geared towards that, at least from a review perspective, tend mm -hmm. to be less useful. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that yeah, it's like it's one thing when we're like we don't claim that our tier list is you know the be all end all of tier lists. Like you're gonna so there's people who are gonna like the yeah. main trilogy. There's people who are gonna hate Plagueis. So yeah, yeah. Which is why we try to be clear with that of like this is just our subjective way that we would rank these books for mm -hmm. whatever criteria we're thinking of in the moment. Then yeah. like there's no there's no set objective criteria that we're working off for that or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is why I hate the fucking term objective when people try to apply that to a show being objectively good or bad or objectively better or worse. Where it just none of that works that way. That's not a useful criteria to have. Yeah, I, I hate that a lot more after law school too, where it's like you spend if you if you ever fuck up the difference between objective and subjective, you just get booted out immediately. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so those are our questions for the week. Thank you all for submitting them. Uh, remember to send any questions you have for future episodes to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. Um, now, this should give a very, very brief episode yeah. four preview. So, yeah. Um, Again, no spoilers, but if you don't want to hear yeah. anything about episode four, just goodbye. Yeah, let's just let's just each do, let's say, two sentences or thoughts on episode four. Do you want to go first? Uh, was very good. Mm -hmm. Um continues it continues with a lot of the stuff that i liked about episode three uh it and kind of builds on that a bit more i think so i think it's still headed in the right direction it is very different in that you're dealing with uh like a lot of the plot lines that are set up kind of close off in episode one through yeah. three yeah but yeah, really yeah there'll like be it. new there'll be new characters new environments i don't think it's a surprise to hear that considering the last shot we get is them leaving the planet uh, I do think people are going to complain about it being slow still. Um, okay. The people who don't like that anyway. Um, yeah. But for me, I thought it was good. Um, and and yeah, lots of kind of really interesting stuff done. So I think I think people are going to like it. I, I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to be a very I don't think it's going to be a super controversial episode. I agree. All right. Uh, so next week. We've said Lost Stars. Are we still doing mm -hmm. Lost Stars? I got a message. Alex can announce him. I messaged him, but he never confirmed. So I'll, I'll we'll keep an eye on Twitter. We'll or I'll, I'll edit it into the description on the podcast, perhaps. But uh, but yeah. And, I mean, you did just tell Mark to uh, to read it as well. So maybe we get all four of it. Yeah, that'd be fun. And if not, so it'll probably be Lost Stars. If it's not, we'll probably just finish off the Tales of the Jedi stuff. Tales of the Jedi. We'll, yeah. We'll try to know as soon as possible so we can. That people yeah. know. I just got my copy of Lost Stars, and uh, it's a longer book than I thought it was. But it yeah, it's fairly good. long, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's pretty long because I did the audiobook, and it's a it's a good one. All right, so that's the tentative plan. Two weeks from now, we'll have a another Andor episode. I think uh, mm -hmm. we'll for the episodes that aren't explicitly about the shows, we'll still have like a few minutes. Yeah, at the end. Them, we'll... but yep. Generally, it'll be every other episode. We'll be talking about the shows. Everybody, thanks for watching, and until next time. Ooh.